good is gold and silver too if your heart not pure and true oh sinners hear me when I Welcome to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth podcast. I'm a, I am missionary evangelist Lawrence Redson. I have a message that is current for our troubled times. The title of this message is Statism, the Making of the State Church in America. The short definition of statism is the abandonment of limited government. In political science, statism is a belief that the state should control either economic or social policy or both to some degree. The term has been in use since the 1850s, but in 1930 through 1940, it gained significant usage in American political discourse. I believe that statism is the idea that is fueling much of the political and social unrest in America today and is a cross between democracy and socialism. And statism out of control will quickly lead to authoritarian statism, which is a direct assault against statehood, the rule of the people. A look back at history shows us that in whatever country free people were brought into bondage by their government, there was always the establishment of a state religion. Despots and dictators have always known that within the bosom of mankind is the indestructible desire to worship, regardless of what may be the object of their affections. And one of the means of controlling a nation of people is for the state itself to supply them a religion. Now, every state has its own orthodox state religion that will pacify the majority of the masses. And a majority is all that is needed to accomplish the state's goals. There will always be those who will know the true from the false and will resist the state. But as the late B.H. Clinton and preached, those will either be easily silenced or eliminated. Karl Marx said, religion is the side of the oppressed creature, the heart of the heartless world and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. This is also the sentiment of the state today. Let us take for our text from Luke chapter 2, verse 1. There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This well-known passage introduces us to the nativity story and in it, the title according to the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. <clears throat> the late R.C. Sproul gives us his analysis of this text, and I quote, Had this census been mandated earlier under the monarchy of Julius Caesar, the scripture would read, A decree went out from Julius Caesar. Had Octavius followed the model of Julius, he would have called himself Octavius Caesar. And then the text would read, a decree went out from Octavius Caesar. But we note that Octavius' explicit change of his personal name to the title Caesar Augustus indicates the emerging dimension of the emperor cult in Rome by which those who were elevated to the role of emperor were worshipped as deities. To be called August which comes from the Latin word Augustus, meaning consecrated or vulnerable, would mean to be clothed with supreme dignity, to which is 
Oh, the reverence given to the sacred. We see this example by the man who sits on the throne in the Vatican now. In uh, the in 8 BC, the Roman Senate honored Augustus Caesar by changing the name of their month Sextilus to Augustus. The elevation of the emperor in Rome to this kind of status was the ancient zenith of statism, end of quote. As indicated in the above paragraph, we see in America the gradual elevating of emperor worship, or should I say presidential worship in these last few years, especially the last decade. <clears throat> With a large segment of our population blinded by the politicians and the excessive desire for material gain, a liberal press in the pocket of the Washington elite, and I also, and I might also add to this list a weak and disorientated church. We can now apply this same principle of Caesar Augustus to our day, which, which is nothing more than a dress rehearsal for the man of sin, the Antichrist, and his kingdom. About 30 years ago, a question was posed to one of the late, last great uh, 20th century theologian, Arthur Francis Schaeffer. Dr. Schaefer, what is your biggest concern for the future of the true church in America? Without hesitation, Dr. Schaefer spoke one word, statism. Schaefer's biggest concern at that point in his life was that the citizens of the United States were beginning to invest the president and the federal government of their country with supreme authority, such authority that the free nation, America, like pre-World War II Germany and now Russia and China, will become one that would be dominated by a philosophy of the supremacy of the state. And today, with the mindset of so many already on the right of entitlements and a nanny state mentality, we are quickly adopting that philosophy. In statism, we see the suffix-ism, which indicates a philosophy or a worldview. A decline from statehood, we the people, government of the people, by the people, for the people, was in President Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, and that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that, my dear reader, is the definition of statehood, and it is greatly on the decline in America. But statism is where government rules, and that happens when the government is perceived as or claims to be the ultimate reality by the people. This reality then replaces God as the supreme entity upon which human existence depends. I grieve to think it looks like even the church today seems to have exchanged statehood for statism in her worldview. In the 19th century, the philosopher Frederick Hegel argued in his extensive and complex study of Western history that progress represents the unfolding in time and space of the absolute idea that the state and supreme happiness of the human race is the absolute idea and not God. But to the true Christian, their supreme happiness should be in their thought of God and him as the absolute idea. Hegel's works, The Vague Understanding of God, which would reach its apex in the creation of the Persian state, which no longer exists but is now part of Poland and Russia today. The assumption that Hegel made in the 19th century was made before the advent of Hitler's Third Reich, Stalin's Russia, and Chairman Mao's Communist China. 
These nations have reached an elevation of statism never dreamed of by Hegel in his concept of the Persian state. And the memory of this should be a stark reminder to us today. But the blatant destruction of American and world history, which we see going on in our schools of higher learning, will soon render that impossible. <clears throat> in America, we have a long history of, va of, the, of valuing the concept of the separation of church and state. This idea historically referred to a division of labor between the church and the civil magistrate. However, initially, both the church and the state were seen as entities, entities ordained by God and subject to his government. In that sense, the state was considered to be an entity that was under God. What has happened in the past few decades is the ossification of this original distinction between church, between church and state, so that today the language we hear of separation of church and state, when it is carefully extradited, communicates the idea of the separation of the state from God. In this sense, it's not merely that the state declares independence from the church. It also declares independence from God and presumes itself to rule with autonomy. The whole idea of a nation under God has been challenged again and again. We have seen the exponential growth of government in our land, particularly the federal government, so that the government now virtually engulfs all of life. Our education once was under the direction of local authorities, but is now controlled and directed by federal legislation. The economy that once was driven by the natural forces of the market has now come under the strict control of the federal government, which not only regulates the economy, but considers herself responsible for controlling it. But where we have seen the largest measure of the loss of liberty is with respect to the function of the church. Though the church is still somewhat tolerated in America, in a way it was not tolerated in Mao's Red China and under Stalin, it is tolerated only when it remains outside of the public square. In other words, the church has been relegated to a status not unlike that given to the Native Americans, where the tribes were allowed to continue to exist as long as they functioned safely on a reservation outside of any significant influence on the government. So although the church has not been banished completely by statism, statism that has emerged in America, it has been effectively banished from the public square. We are seeking the making of a state church, or should I say state religion, in America. We hear the word woke, W-O-K-E, frequently used today. The definition of woke means aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. But today we are more likely to see it being used, to, with, used as a stick with which to beat the people into submission to one's point of view. We are now seeing a new creature emerge called the woke pastors. Jason Mathers, who writes for the American Thinker, has a good article called God Save Us from the Woke Pastor. He describes him well, and I quote, the skinny jeans, the non-functional glasses, the spray tans, the tight muscle shirts, and also the obscene shopping bill at Nordstrom. 
the social justice sermons more fitting for the faculty lounge at Wellesley than for a Bible-believing church. Behold the woke pastor, and he's gunning for your white privilege and ready to tackle America's systematic racism, one vegan protein shake at a time, end of quote. It seems to me that they have abandoned the gospel of Christ if, in fact, they ever possessed it in the first place and have embraced this new philosophy, which seems to be our need of submission to the idea that the white church must somehow atone for its social sins. And this, my friend, is what the rise of a state church looks like. Throughout the history of the Christian church, Christianity has always stood over and against all forms of statism. Statism is the natural, ultimate enemy to Christianity, Christianity because it involves a usurpation of the reign of God. If Francis Schaeffer was right, and each year that passes makes his prognosis seem all the more accurate, it means that the church and the nation face a serious crisis in our day. In the final analysis, if statism prevails in America, it will mean not only the death of our religious freedom, but also that of the state itself. We face perilous times where Christians and all people need to be vigilant about the rapidly encroaching elevation of the state to supremacy. We have seen, not only in America, but in the world, how quickly things can change. And we've seen that significant change in the last few weeks in the areas of life as we know it. But I want to look more deeply at one area that has been greatly affected by the coronavirus, that it concerns me more than anything else, and that is the church. We've seen how quickly the church was convinced to believe and accept this pandemic called COVID-19 and has been so willing to give all of her rights to the local, national, and federal government, and how those same entities have been happy to take it. Men in the church, have, when a real test came along, have taken a much stricter interpretation of Romans 13 than they would have before. Instead of standing firm on the doctrine of lesser magistrates to oppose church lockdown, I recommend that every Christian get him or her a copy of this book to educate yourself by William J. Truella. For you see, in America, the people are the sovereigns. Remember, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And the First Amendment protects religious assembly. For those of you that don't understand it, that means you're being able to assemble and have church services in your church building. And for the government or a church denominational leader, and I want to emphasize, or a church denominational leader or ruler to forbid its constituencies to assemble to worship is an attack on the First Amendment right of the congregation. And I suggest that those leaders go and read the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. It is the governor, and I want to say this again. I want to say this as firmly and strongly as I can. It is the governors, and I want you pastors to understand this, that are browbeating your people with Romans chapter 13. It is the governors and not the defiant churches that are in violation of Romans 13. At the same time, we have witnessed how those in states, governors' mansions, mayoral and mayoral offices from sea to shining sea, have been quick to grab the podium of power and tyranny and weld it against the Christian church. 
all the time acquiescing to the Muslim gatherings and all the rioting, protesting, peaceful or not. I do not want to offend anyone, so I will be as euphemistically as possible, but the church is at a crossroad. And like Alice and the rabbit at the fork, I'm afraid too many are trying to make up their minds, is it statism or Christ? Now, if we do not learn anything from this alleged pandemic, we as Christians have learned how quickly the church pen can be relegated to a position that is called non-essential. And from this alleged pandemic, the church will become even more relevant in the days to come. We Christians that are spiritual should be looking at this spiritually, not like the world views it. All of this that has been going on these last few months has been a test balloon sent up by Satan and his agents to see just how strong the church is and how far she can be pushed. This has not been an attempt to destroy the church, only to silence or convert her. It would be much easier and cheaper for the state to convert the church than to have to rise up a new one. Now that the state has seen how the church would react and how quick she has been to side with the government, and at any time they want to, they can call up a pandemic and, or any other thing and jerk on the church's chain. We then have what I call the silencing of the lambs. The church was thrown a piece of red meat by her government to appease her by appealing to her sense of nobility, by telling her that she could hold her services online, and that seemed to satisfy the majority. This is nothing more than the government's move to make the church become digital in hopes of someday putting her on the reservation. The church going digital has also been a trial run. It is seen, and it is seen to have worked very well. After all, preachers and church members have for years been conditioned for, for this by technology. Preaching from an iPad instead of the Bible which in the pulpit itself has the capability to either call up the scriptures or a porn movie at the same time. Now we're holding services online because we have been shut out of our churches for the most part. But look at all the innovative ways preachers have learned to serve their members by this modern marvel. How cool is this? From parking lot churches to priests under open tent and white dresses passing out wafers to the occupants in a line of cars. But the line of cars must first pass a boy with an offering pot nailed to a six-foot board, thrusting into the car windows to get the money. To a priest using a squirt gun to shoot holy water into passing cars to spiritually cleanse the people, and all the time thanking God for their computers, cell phones, and the internet. Yes, but all of this is about big government, and it's not the government looking out for the church and helping her to find a way to spread the gospel to the masses. Now the government will be now the government will be able to monitor what the church is doing and what the preacher's sermons are about. Not that we should care who hears our preaching, but it would be used against us if they choose and could be termed as hate speech. One of our great freedom-loving states is trying to make the churches give the the uh, give the state a list of the names and addresses of their attendees. So to have a list of all that, attend the meetings so they can be monitored. Now, this is the way I'm sure Satan is surveying things. <clears throat> In the military, there are three main war strategies. Number one is the element of surprise. Number two, seek and destroy. Number three, divide and conquer. 
The government is using all three of these tactics on the church, trying to divide the nominal church, which it knows will not offer any resistance, as we have already seen from those that are trying to preach the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. The state knows that that kind of church will never take Anita Caesar, but will, like the true Hebrew children, not bow, but will lift up their voices against statism as their forefathers in the faith did before them and declare as the apostle Peter did to the Sanhedrin in Acts 4.19, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, that unto God judge you. In Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than man. I have already touched, I have only touched on a little of what is what this is all about, but what I've actually taken notice of is this, is how this has already begun to divide not only the secular, but the religious community. Just take a look at your Facebooks. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 36, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Could that possibly be referring to the household of faith in Galatians 6, 10? This is the government's plan for its coming state church. And as I've already taken notice of, and is how, is how this has already begun to divide and not only the secular, I'm sorry, I, I've already stated that. This is the government's plan for its coming state church. And as I've already stated for the other nations of people that were brought under bondage by statism, that an alternate church was provided for them and their need for religion. The stage now is being set for this in America, just as it was in the other countries before us. Religion is not going away nor to be, are going to be done away with. But the silencing of the true preachers is now Satan's goal. The state church, which I believe represents the false prophet in Revelations 13, will not be from a religious organizational structure such as their denominations. But the church, the state church, will be an amalgamation of those churches that are willing to be dictated to by the government. Those that are willing to bow and go along with what they probably knew all along was just an elaborate hoax. Like England's Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, who was willing to pacify Hitler, we have seen emerge on the streets of America those pastors and churches that are willing to do the same. We hear phrases like, for expediency, we must do our part, or it is just a Christian thing to do. But pragmatism has no place in the church. This is the beginning of the dilation period. What is coming next is the birth pains, then the bringing forth of the government church. Those who are not willing to bow down to the government will be considered heretics, fools, and enemies to their neighbor's welfare and be branded as common criminals <clears throat> and will either be silenced or eliminated. They will be given the opportunity to be part of the government church, and anyone who does not conform to her commands will be considered illegitimate. The government church will be the one who will bring this, the worshipers in line to the state's wishes. The prototype of this has been played out in every church denomination in America. Church leaders huddled together, making plans on how to enforce the government-mandated regulation on their constituencies, as if their constituencies were either too naive or immature to think for themselves, even going so far as to tell anyone that is sick, we don't want you here, and if you're 65 and older, stay home. What the church needs is a modern-day Martin Luther to nail his thesis to the government's door. Everywhere I go today, I see adults playing medical dress-up. 
I saw people wearing face masks. It said on one side faith, the other side fear. I assumed they were Christians. What kind of message did that send? What happened to, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, James 5.14. It has been a long time since the church saw healings like it used to. And this is one more nail in the coffin of the Pentecostal belief in divine healing, and now we are surrendering that to the devil. And all of this under the pretense of what is medically safe and healthy for the good of mankind. The government has done a fabulous PR job on marketing this alleged pandemic called COVID-19. Sadly, much of the church world has listened to Jim Jones' sermons and drank his Kool-Aid. We are witnessing, whether we want to admit it or not, the making of a state church in America. We have seen in our last few presidential elections that the prediction Dr. Schaefer made is real. How vigilant we need to be as true Christians as we wait for his son from heaven, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And that in doing so, we remember the Lord's words, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God, and to God the things that are God's, Matthew 22.21. Now there will be some churches that when they recognize a hoax, was played on them, will probably ride this one out because of their Christian ethics. But with the next one, they will renew their stance on the doctrine of the lesser magistrates and cry out against the evils of statism. Case in point, Pastor John MacArthur and the Grace Community Church is now pushing back against the government of the state of California, barring church indoor gatherings. <clears throat> See the article, Christ Not Caesar is Head of the Church. Friday, July the 24th, 2020, John MacArthur, www.gty.org. May God, and I add this in closing, may God give us the grace to know what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God. If you would like to receive a printed copy of this message, please contact me by email. My email is lawrenceregister at yahoo.com. I'm sorry, lawrence.register at yahoo.com. You can also hear this message and others on my podcast at Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Google, and others. Thank you and good day.